us up and welcome in to another edition of 10,000 Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. As always, Jeremy Rushing here with you. And as always, by my side, fellow contributor to SodaSoccer.com, tirelessly covering the lower lead soccer soccer scene in Minnesota, Mr. Dominic Jose Bazonio. Dom, I appreciate you uh, uh, penciling me in into your schedule during such a busy coverage week for you. They can't make enough games for me not to cover, Jeremy. I'm going to cover them all. I can play as much soccer as they want. I'm writing about it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, been, a, it's been a busy, uh, well, it's the start of a busy week. This weekend's going to be busy too, but a lot going on, which I suppose is good for business, so I don't mind it too much. Um, the benefit of uh, living in the Twin Cities now is I'm a lot closer to a lot of it, so, that, so that's nice. But uh, yeah, looking forward to talking. Had uh, had a... Great week of watching uh, lower league games so far. Uh, shout out. I'm not going to say his name. He, I don't know if he would want me to, but I uh, talked to, uh, 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 I went to the Med City Minneapolis City uh, game last week and, and ended up sitting next to, by accident, a, a fan of the site. And we had a nice long conversation about that. He was great to get to know him. So shout out to nice. uh, the folks that read our stuff and and uh, thank you to him for, for, for sharing that with me. But yeah, uh, great, uh, great to be back. Soda soccer fans in the wild. Love to see it. Uh, and and Dom, that or, uh, for those of you listening, that was definitely a little snide remark at me. Because during the during the during the preseason before all this started, I was like, Dom, you can cover three different leagues, right? That's not too, that's not too much for you. And uh definitely uh feeling it this weekend with the UPSL uh tournaments and NPSL action obviously rolling along and things ramping up and in leagues like Wapassel and the WPSL too. I mean, it's just, it's endless. It doesn't end, uh, which is why we're here at Soda Soccer and 10,000 pitches to help break it down and, and help you keep you informed as to what's happening and provided that coverage and spotlight it deserves. Uh, before we get started, a few, ho- few housekeeping items. If you haven't checked us out at sodasoccer.com yet, please do. Um, I can't imagine that many other websites are posting, you know, 105 soccer stories in 110 days or whatever we, we've been able to do over this first, uh, you know, three plus months here in action, almost four months, uh, as I believe the 25th will be our four months since we started, since we launched, which is pretty insane. But yeah, more than 100 articles, nearly one per day during that time, all devoted to covering Minnesota soccer at, at all levels from Minnesota United to the lower leagues, to the USLW league. Um, and everything in between. So if you haven't checked us out, please do. And if you haven't supported our work, we would very much appreciate it. All of our content contributors are paid. Um, and anybody who writes for us, anybody who jumps on a podcast, uh, they are paid for that work. And uh, your support definitely helps us out with that. So go ahead and hit us up, patreon.com slash soda soccer. And uh, we give you a little bonus content there every week too, 10K stoppage time. And this week, we will kind of go in depth on the Adrian Heath extension, the context around it, uh, what has led to this, what it means moving forward, kind of the next steps that he and the regime need to take to sort of move the ship in the right direction. Uh, so we will be covering all of that during the 10K stoppage time segment, which you can find at patreon.com slash soda soccer right now. But we would love for you to listen to this podcast all the way through before you add that into your queue. Um, also, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, please do, because not only do you get the 10,000 pitches podcast, you get post loons in your feed, you get any, uh, interviews that come through. We've done a few of those over the last few months as well, bonus interviews and things like that. So go, uh, hit that subscribe button if you haven't and leave us a rating and review if you haven't as well. 
All right, let's jump into this, Dom. Uh, a lot of news to get to, as always. It seems like every week there's a lot of news to get to. Uh, we'll kick it off like we always do with Minnesota United. Um, you know, 2-1 loss to New England. Tale of two halves, as Jacob Schneider wrote at sodasoccer.com. This attack for the first 45 minutes looked, I think, as good as that foursome has looked all season with Amaria, Fragapane, Reynoso, and Lud. It sort of looked like what we had hoped they would look like. There was a lot of fluidity, a lot of interplay, uh, free movements, free flowing. It looked natural in a way that it hadn't really looked yet this season, which is crazy to think about that on June 23rd we're saying that. But it, it looked really good, and it resulted in a Mano Reynoso penalty um, to put United up 1-0. It was a really, really good attack um, that really left defender, defender Andrew Farrell for New England with no choice but to take Reynoso down or give up an easy goal, basically. Um, and Reynoso easily converts the penalty to put United 1-0 in, in the first half. And you go into halftime feeling pretty good about where this team stands, where, what we've seen on the field. We were kind of hoping that maybe we would see a, a, a better cohesive product following the international break. And at least for the first 45 minutes, that, that seemed to come to fruition, at least in some level. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like you said, uh, particularly that front four seemed, uh, again, like you said, probably one of the better performances they, they've had all season. Uh, you know, the, the fact that the goal they produced ends up being a, a penalty makes less headlines. But, you know, that, that's more down to luck than anything else. Uh, like you said, that penalty was, was drawn really because they just didn't want to allow an open play easy goal. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was a good 45. I mean, I think it was a good 45 really from, from top to bottom, yep. uh, as I'm sure you're going to transition to the, obviously the concern is that that did not necessarily translate into a, a good second 45, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think at least to a degree, we got what we were hoping for in the sense of, we saw a, a rejuvenated, uh, performance, uh, post-international break. And we saw, uh, you know, rejuvenated performance that included pieces that frankly, most people, including us at times, had uh, sort of given up on for the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, th- there's certainly a silver lining in, in, in that for me. Yeah. Absolutely. And then you come out of halftime and it just almost looks like a completely different different team. The, the roles almost flip between New England and Minnesota. Because while the Loons were, were on the front foot, on the attack, forcing turnovers, taking advantage of really sloppy play, honestly, from New England over that first 45, uh, New England tightened their own stuff up, right? They they got their own stuff together after uh, a pretty disappointing 45. Um, I was watching on ESPN Plus, so I had the Revs broadcast on, and uh, Bruce Arena was not happy after that first 45 minutes with this team's performance. So obviously I'm sure there were some words uh, uh, said or maybe screamed in the Revs locker room at halftime, and they got the message because guys like uh, Carlos Hill, Gustavo Bow. Um, Dylan Barrero, like, like they they stepped it up a, in a way that Minnesota wasn't really able to match in the second half. I think you saw a lot of individual quality, but when that individual quality is clicking for New England, it they kind of comes together in a cohesive way as well. And I, Minnesota, I don't know if they weren't ready for it, or maybe they just don't have the quality to match a team like New England when they are uh, clicking on all cylinders like that. But it was it was honestly from a it was disappointing from a Minnesota perspective, but it was also impressive to watch it from New England's perspective. 
Um, and it started in the 53rd minute. Dylan Barrero equalizes, passing the receiving the ball at the top of the box. He slips a shot under St. Clair. You could argue all day long that St. Clair probably should have stopped this one. Um, he lets it get on, gets under get under his uh, under his gloves, and it sort of ricochets into the back of the net from there. Um, St. Clair's do more than a few mistakes, or he's 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 done enough, provided enough quality that he's earned more than a few mistakes, I should say. Um, you know, to to counteract that. But um, the rare mistake from St. Clair, I don't think it's a long-term concern or an issue. Um, this is gonna happen from time to time. Even the best goalkeepers, even the best players make mistakes from time to time. But when you're a keeper, as Adrian Heath said post-game, when you make a mistake. It usually ends up a, 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 in a ball in the back of the net. Where if you're right. a midfielder and you make a mistake, or if you're a defender or attacker and you make a mistake, it doesn't necessarily mean a conceded goal. But if you make one mistake as a goalkeeper, that's usually what ends up happening. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, it's a very thankless position to be in. Like you said, if you do anything wrong, that pretty much means the ball's crossing the line. Um, yeah, you know it, it, that second half is tough in a lot of ways. Uh, like you said, the the drop off. Uh, in Minnesota United's quality and the, and the sharp increase in, in New England's quality was, uh, I mean, it was tangible almost from the kickoff of the half. And uh, the Loons just seemed completely unprepared for it. And when you end up, it's, it's I'm not sh- quite sure how to feel about this game yet to a degree, only because I'm still figuring out how I feel about, you know, the dynamics of you feel good about that first half. But then you have to put it in the context of, yeah, but that was against a team who wasn't really in it. That 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 one nil lead at halftime was against a team that had to get yelled at, and then they came back out, and when they were actually playing their level, they beat Minnesota United. So it's it's hard to navigate quite uh, uh, how to feel about the two halves of this game. Uh, you know, I I think the criticism that most people had afterwards obviously it was just the fact that one team came out better from halftime and one team didn't mm-hmm. uh and that that's you know b- both teams even the team in the lead should be pursuing improvement at halftime right especially mm-hmm. when it's one nil up on the road it's not a huge lead or anything like that and you know it, it reminds me this game to a degree reminded me of um the the playoff game in portland last year where at halftime the loons look quite good in a good position and you know, funny enough, just like you mentioned that the halftime, the footage of Bruce Arena, at halftime of that Portland game, uh, Gio Savarese, who is the, the, the third musketeer in the wine trio. Uh, yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> you got to get him involved. You got to yeah. well, had to mention all three at some had point in this podcast. Him. I like how you tied that in. That was it's very, trivia very night here at Soda Soccer, and I'm, and I'm winning. <laughs> um, but, you know, at the halftime of that, of that playoff game, I recall, and, you know, his – his behavior was a little different because he's just a different person than Bruce Arena. But at halftime, they interviewed him and he, in a more calm manner, but was basically saying like, yeah, that wasn't good enough. We got to fix some things. We'll figure it out. Second half. Yeah. And then they literally just did that right away. And, and that's the difference really- between the Portland's yeah. and the New England's and the Seattle's. That's the thing right. that sets those clubs apart from other teams in the league who maybe are quality, but are still trying to figure out how to take that next step. A la Minnesota United. Right they could have an absolute stinker of a first half, but you have the confidence that like, they're going to figure this out. They're going to make the necessary adjustments. They're going to come out in the second half and do what they need to do to get back in this match, find a result, find a win, whatever it is. Right. You don't necessarily have that. And that's not saying they can't obtain it at some point, 
but you don't have that confidence yet with Minnesota United. In fact, it's almost quite the opposite where mm-hmm. we haven't seen Minnesota United put together a full 90 in a, in a really long time, it seems. Yeah. Maybe since that back-to-back win streak they had against Colorado and Chicago. Um, or even the Colorado match, you could argue that it was really more of a second 45 than a full 90. So maybe the Chicago match is really maybe the maybe the one time this season that we've seen a full 90 from a Minnesota United team. But right. it's to the point where you're almost waiting for that other shoe to drop. If they play yeah. well in the first half, they get on the front foot, they score a goal. Yeah, you're feeling good, but it's a very, very cautious optimism. You're almost waiting for the other team to make the necessary adjustments or whatever it is. And unfortunately, we saw another version of that uh, in this match against New England as Gustavo Bo seals the fate in the, uh, I believe it was the 69th minute. Just he, they, the, the revs force a, uh, a free kick outside the box. Um, and this was just a, a goal where you have to tip your cap. I like to say this, you know, I, I like calling them bangers, but I also like to say this is a goal in any league when I yeah. see a goal like this. Yeah. Like it's, it's almost, it's like, it's super impressive that Dane was actually able to get a finger on that. <laughs> and because of that, I saw some people on Twitter, like, oh, Dane, Dane should have saved that. That's another goal. He shouldn't have given up. It's like, do you, Matt, do you know what Dane, like the reaction time and the lateral speed that it takes to actually get over to the opposite corner when on a ball that's going in with that much pace and that much quality and like tucked into the corner, like that nicely. Like, you're not going to see a much better f- curling free kick in any league from that position. So the fact that Dane was actually able to get a, a hand on it is almost, like, uh, that's a plus in, in, in his column for me in in, uh, in the way I look at his match. Uh, but obviously he wasn't going to do anything to keep that out of the back of the net. That was just way, way too much quality from Gustavo Bo. And uh, that ultimately was the was the the difference maker in the match. Yeah, absolutely, and, and I, I completely agree that you you can't really expect for a, a goalkeeper. I, I realize that part of it, part of why that is being said, is obviously because of how the first goal happened, and, and that creates a certain tension. But that second goal, that that's always going in. Uh, you, you need, I mean, the goalkeeper needs to be on such a run of momentum through the game to 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 muster the the energy and 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 reflexes in the moment to get. To, I mean, that's like you know. Uh, it just doesn't happen, really. Um, and when it does, it's it's like a, a famous moment in that person's entire career. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I don't put it, the the weight of that on him. I think that that the performance in that entire half was building up to opportunities for New England, and they that happened to be the one they put in uh, in a really good effort. And, and to be perfectly honest, I don't think Dane is really at fault for the loss at all. Even if this first goal was uh, mm-hmm. uh, involved him doing something poorly. Uh, I, I thought he performed well most of the time, and I, and I think it was usually just people putting him in awkward situations that mm. you know he only had so much he could do, and maybe he slips up on something once. But again, after three or four other players slipped up that we're not talking about, so uh, yeah, I, I think it would be unfair to pin the, the loss on him at all. Uh, a couple shout outs from a positive note from this match I thought DJ Taylor had an excellent shift. I thought once again, this is a kid who is just really starting to find his groove at that right back position at a really crucial time 
with Roman Metinair, you know, his status is so much unknown. And I think there's a lot of, there's a huge lack of confidence that he's really going to be able to come back in any sort of consistent form. Maybe he returns, you know, as, as a experienced guy in the locker room and coming off the bench, maybe at certain times, but uh, I don't think there's much confidence at all that he'll be able to get back to anywhere close to the Roman Metinair that we have uh, come to know and really play any sort of extended extended period in a match due to that just re-aggravation after re-aggravation after re-aggravation and now a new hamstring injury right back is is I, I I think you can still say it is a question mark for this team moving forward but I think DJ Taylor is making that less and less of a question with each performance that he's putting in um, and it's really good to see I think this is a long time coming for DJ it's, it's a couple of years now where people have really been saying his name as somebody who could potentially be in the future of this club um, the performances last season, and even you could argue the first month or so of this season, maybe weren't up to that standard, realistic or unrealistic that you could say people were were putting on him. But this last these last couple months, when he has been called upon, he has he has played excellent at that right back position, and I hope we continue to see that moving forward because that's a position that really needs to get solidified for this club when we're, when we're talking about their future. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I think he's done a good enough job that I, I wouldn't, if I'm Minnesota United, I wouldn't be putting too much attention into any sort of short-term additional players. I, I yeah. think he's good enough that he puts the club in a position where, despite all the injuries f- with players that play right back, they don't need to go out and get another one. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he he's well, he's good enough to, to at the very least, be um sort of the, the designated guy for I, th- I think this season and, and we'll see obviously how that long list of other options does in terms of various recoveries and so on but uh no yeah he, he was impressed you know I, I thought just on a general viewing uh I, I thought the the biggest uh goose eggs in this game were laid mostly sh- centrally defensively for, for yep, Minnesota United. Uh, I don't think that Taylor really had I mean you lose every defender probably has something they could have done better but I I, I don't think that he uh, was particularly the problem in any of the situations. Yeah. The center back position is one that is, I think really become a concern. Obviously the lack of goals is, is always at the forefront of what people look at as an issue for this Minnesota United team. But I think something that might be flying a little bit under the radar, but maybe in recent performances is becoming less and less under the radar is the play uh, of in, in the central defense, specifically on that left side with Bakai Debasi. Um, this is this is a guy who early in this season looked excellent. Um, he was played left back, left center back, but kind of opposite of DJ Taylor as he's moved further into the season. You know, he's he's had a few man of the match performances in this season, but his run of form recently has not been good. Uh, Michael Boxall has still been good, but I, I think his form has definitely taken a step down as you would expect it to. Um, you know, given his age and kind of where he's at in his career. Um, so that's something I think that needs to get addressed moving forward. And we'll kind of touch on that when we talk about the Kervin Ariaga or not, excuse me, Kervin Ariaga. Uh, when we talk about the Adrian Anu situation and what that could mean for uh, designated player spots moving forward for Minnesota United, we'll touch on that in just a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the center back position is a concern. I think um, who's going to play the number eight position moving forward is, is a concern. I don't think Will Trapp is a, is a long-term solution there. Um, you could argue Franco Fragapane's performances on the wing, on the left wing, is not something that uh, instills long-term confidence that he's 
uh, a winger on this team, which is really disappointing because that is a position that you thought was an absolute lock for the next few years for Minnesota United is Franco on the left because of what he was able to put in last year. He's just not doing that this year. So there are holes um, that we weren't really expecting to have uh, on this club. Is that contributing to the lack of goals? Is that contributing to the lack of performances? I'm sure it is. How much are the tactics, uh, you know, playing into the lack of performances? I'm sure that number is not zero. I don't think it's a hundred, but I don't think it's zero. Right. Right. So it's just, there, there are some issues that need to be figured out. And I think that um, transitions nicely into our next topic. And that is what came out today. Uh, Adrian Heath has signed. uh, Well, he signed it at the, at the beginning of the season. So um, it was before the season even started. I don't know if, uh, if he would be signing it now, had he not signed it before, (laughs) but it is a two-year extension Uh, through 2024 for Heath. Um, Not really a surprise. Um, as we talked about on this podcast, you know, we we understand through the interviews that Dr. Bill McGuire has done, uh, playoff consistency is um, almost paramount to how he uh, judges success for this club. Um, if you can make the playoffs consistently, um, that's going to be appealing to future players. It's obviously going to keep fans around. It's going to help keep selling merch. It's going to keep bringing in casuals. It's going to do all the things that you kind of want to do from a business standpoint, um, and also obviously it's, it's good from an on-field standpoint to make the playoffs consistently. Now you can argue whether or not this team has plateaued, uh, in, in over the last couple of years. Um, but at, at that same coin, three straight years in the playoffs, from what we know about how that barometer of success is judged to me, I was not surprised when the news finally came out that that two-year extension had been reached. Yeah. You know, I was not surprised either. Um, and you know, we're going to talk more about this here and then more in the um, extra time. Uh, I was not surprised. I also am not super positive about the news, to be perfectly mm-hmm. honest. Um, I, you know, like you pointed out, ob- this contract was not signed today or this week. It was signed long ago. Uh, that being said, you know, there's an irony to signing a coach because of his playoff consistency right before the season where he might not mm-hmm. make them again. Uh, yeah. and, and I would, I'm curious what the thought process was about doing it, about getting that done when they got it done. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm curious if they needed to get that signed then, or if they could have been a little more patient mm-hmm. um, simply because the way things have played out, I think has raised, plenty of questions and the optics of, of doing this now are, are not great. I, I know it seemed like part of the timing of it also had to do with negotiations with the, the rest of the coaching staff. So I, I know that might've been, you know, to a degree out of their hands in terms of optics, but uh, you know, the time, the way it lays, it, it laid itself out did not do them a lot of favors, but uh, yeah, you know, maybe we'll talk more on more in detail and extra time. I, I, I am not, uh, a huge fan of giving the giving Heath after the season and arguably after things that were already happening before the season. I'm not a huge fan of, of giving him that much more time. Uh, I, I think that it's a little bit of rewarding someone in a, in a way. Usually, you only get rewarded when you do a lot better than he's done. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, yeah, you know, I, I think part of the problem in terms of how people view this is you. It was great the way you. You, you put it there. Bill McGuire sees making the playoffs as success. 
Mm -hmm. And so if that's how, if if making the playoffs is how you measure success, then Adrian Heath is very successful. If Mm -hmm. you measure success by doing anything with making the playoffs other than one time. Silverware. And silverware and and playing Mm -hmm. finals well, then maybe that's not so successful. But if making the playoffs is what matters to you, then yeah, Adrian Heath is doing that. So I, I do think part of it just comes down comes down to like perspective, uh, mm. which you know unfortunately is something that's hard to uh, find middle ground in. But yeah, you know we'll we'll talk more. But I think it's a I think it's a move that, like you said, it's I don't think it surprises anybody. I think even people that were really upset about it weren't surprised about it, and people that were very happy about it weren't surprised about it. I I, I just think that uh, there's still question marks for me around deciding to to. Uh, reward uh, Adrian Heath with with that contract extension, uh, given mm-hmm. how the previous season ended. Which, by the way, I would say was not an ending that to me yelled "Give this guy two more years." Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the way this season has gone, which of course happened after. But uh, yeah, it, it's a complicated one for sure. All right, you can call this our 10K coffee break because it's time to tell you about our friends over at Night Street Soccer and Coffee. Derek and his team at Night Street have been so great to us, and we hope you can support them the way they've done for us over this past year. Night Street is part indoor soccer facility, part coffee shop. You heard me right. You can get a pickup game in and get your espresso fix all in the same place. How cool is that? I have to say, I was lucky enough to sample some of the coffee you can get at Ninth Street. My goodness, it's some great stuff. Derek is one hell of a barista, I'll just say that. Affordable weekly pickup is always available at Ninth Street. You can reserve the field for your team, party, or group outing. And they always have something cool going on at Ninth Street, including Minnesota United watch parties happening periodically for road games throughout the season. So make sure you check them out on IG and Twitter at Ninth. 9th Street MPLS, that's 9th and Street, both spelled out. N-I-N-T-H-S-T-R-E-E-T-M-P-L-S on IG and Twitter. Look them up on Facebook and Google or visit their website, 9thStreetMPLS.com, just like the uh, social handles, N-I-N-T-H-S-T-R-E-E-T-M-P-L-S.com to sign up for pickup, reserve field time, or just learn all about our good friends over at 9th Street Soccer and Coffee. 801 South 9th Street, Minneapolis, or online at 9thStreetMPLS.com. Again, we will go very in-depth on this, uh, probably a very extended edition of 10K Stoppage Time um, right over on Patreon.com slash SodaSoccer. So again, as soon as you're done listening to that, head over to Patreon.com slash SodaSoccer to consume that content. But it's been a busy Minnesota United Newsday as we record here on Thursday, because almost immediately after the news that Adrian Heath had signed the extension came out, there was a report that uh, from Andy Grader of the Pioneer Press. There was initially a report from a French outlet, excuse me, that Andy was sort of able to confirm um, that Minnesota United is nearing, is yeah, nearing uh, an effort to send Adrian Anu to France back to league one with a league one club. Um, And those talks, I guess, are in progress. Um, and it seems by the way the French report came out and kind of just the, 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 the tone of these reports that this is, uh, this is probably going to get done sooner rather than later. Um, I think it's probably a good move for all parties involved, uh, who knew was not contributing, but not also really given the opportunity to contribute. Um, I think it just, the both party re- parties realized that it just was not a good fit. 
Um, and so he gets an opportunity to go back to league one where he was very successful before coming to Minnesota United. And then Minnesota United gets a very valuable designated player spot back, um, after they, after they make that move. Um, it's, it's not really going to be a, a loan, I think, um, cause they would not get that designated player spot back, uh, on a loan. Um, I would only, they would only get that on a transfer. So, um, probably not going to be a loan, probably going to be a transfer, um, and when you factor that in with Luis Amaria's contract structure, which, um, was laid out ahead of the season. And for all intents and purposes, I believe that he was only a DP for this first season on his contract for this first year on his contract. That means you have the potential of having two designated player spots available. Depending on the timeline of this new move, they could have that available for the summer transfer window or, you know, if it, if it takes a little while or they decide not to pursue anything this summer, it could be in the offseason as well. But when you're also talking about the future of Adrian Heath as the manager, it also helps when you have that potential there of who you could bring in on the roster with those two designated player spots as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I couldn't agree more with sort of the first thing you say, which is at this point, it's better for everybody if Adrian Unu is just not on this team anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you know, the, there's been slight progress in the sense that he has played a little bit here and there, but uh, clearly the team is not, or, or the coaches rather, are not interested in putting him as a starter or even as a long-term substitute. He hasn't necessarily made that much of the chances he's gotten outside of the Open Cup a little bit. Uh, so you know, at a certain point, you're taking up that DP spot. You gotta, you gotta move on. You gotta figure something out. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting that there's a, a club in the first division of France that wants him, uh, given his his form. But clearly, I mean, obviously that's where he's from, and and folks there know him and probably uh, feel they can get something better out of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I, I you know, I, I think you, well, you've to agree, you said uh, here, I think I saw you say something on Twitter as well. This uh, creates a DP spot that could potentially be very useful uh, you know, up front maybe, but also in the middle of the pitch or, or defensively. Yeah. Um, there, there's a lot of areas that Minnesota United could use new pieces in. So uh, it certainly would would allow Heath and, and, the, and the team to have something to work with, to build some new momentum, some new thinking uh, going into the second half of the season, which which the team desperately needs. I, this, uh, you know, I said at the beginning, you echoed it, that this is a good move for all parties involved. I'm just, it leaves a sour taste on my mouth how this yeah. Adrian new saga is ending. Because I firmly believe, and I will, st- I will die on this hill, that he should have been the match day one starter up top. For Minnesota United this season, I think, I think he put in a good enough performance last season that many people trashed. I do for no reason, and uh, from from my vantage point, he wasn't spectacular, but he also was not bad. And consider, and especially relative to striker form that we have seen basically through in Minnesota United's entire MLS tenure post Christian Ramirez, he was actually relatively good last yeah. season up top for Minnesota. And not only was he good, more importantly, the attack was doing well as a whole. You're scoring two, three goals per match consistently with that front four of Unu, Fragapane, Reynoso, and Lou. 
it was working. Maybe he wasn't putting in the greatest, uh, you know, he wasn't running up the stats on his own, but that attack was working. It had fluidity. It had consistency. It was the first time where you've really felt comfortable with, okay, this is our front four. We can, we can rely on this front four being started, being in the 11, every single match for the last month right. of last season. Before that, Minnesota United was in a position where they they needed, I wouldn't say a miracle run, but they needed they needed a really, really good run at the end of the season in order to have a chance to make the playoffs. They did that largely due to the play of, of, of that front four, which had Adrian Anu up top. Yeah. I don't understand. I get that maybe on paper in a vacuum, Luis Maria might be a better single striker formation option in a 4-2-3-1. I get that. But I think you missed an opportunity to continue that fluidity and that continuity and that consistency. You weren't going to find it with him playing seven minutes a match. I I don't understand. Uh, we talked about this, Rob and I, on the Talking Flock podcast in a Ford Madison context. Um, and I'm going to echo it here. I don't understand when you're chasing a goal, what, what an 80th plus minute substitution does for you. Right. But that's, that's, that's when we saw Adrian Nunu come on. Right. And say, you're not putting him in a position to succeed. You're not putting the team in a position to succeed, um, when you're utilizing him in that way. And yeah. so that yeah. really just, it, it leaves a sour taste in my mouth. It leaves a lot of what ifs in my mind. Uh, and it's unfortunate, but it, it is what it is, and we are where we are. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with everything you say. And, and I think, not to drift back to the previous topic, and we'll talk more later, but I, I think that is a, a, a looming que- or a question mark that's loomed over this team in its entire MLS existence. I think this is one of the latest chapters of it. Uh, I think people, you know, people still have questions dating back to 2017 about the way this team has signed players and then treated those players as assets. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you can go back to that first season. The Minnesota United took two two forwards on loan and then played them once in the last game of the season. Mm-hmm. Jose Leighton and and uh, Brandon Allen, who both came in with some some high. Brandon Allen was doing very well in the USL Championship. Leighton was less known, but he was doing well in, in Costa Rica. That's 2017. That's way back in the day. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that concept of bringing players in, bringing pieces in, not being sure what to do with them, not being sure how to use them, losing faith in them, and then kind of forgetting them, uh, kind of just has floated around this team a lot. And, uh, you know, I, I think people already know where this is going, but I, I think questions get raised about, uh, the decisions being made by by from a scouting point of view, from a, a a management point of view, when you just constantly have that going on. You know, this is an example to your point. I don't think, you know, I don't think this was a Demidov thing where Unu didn't deserve to play, and they just mm-hmm. signed him and then went, oh, oops, we shouldn't have signed this guy. I think Unu was very good, but they treated him kind of like Demidov from 2017, where as soon as they decided that they weren't quite happy with his performances, they kind of acted like he didn't exist. Yep. And I don't quite know the rationale for that. Um, especially when he's, a, you know, Unu was a DP, which Demidov wasn't. Uh, and Unu was actually quite good at times and scored goals and, you know, did his job. Uh, so, 
Yeah, it's a weird one. Um, that being said, like like we both already said, I think if it was going to just be that way the rest of the time he was here, you might as well just move him somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. He can no, have I his agree. career back. Team can have that spot back. And yeah. unfortunately, we have to move on. So. Yeah, it's 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 money that you've spent, unfortunately. But with him, it'll be uh, money off the books that that you can use. Um, so again, I mean, it's it's unfortunate, but it looks like Adrian Anu is is on the way out uh, for Minnesota United. Um, that's it for Minnesota United news. Again, full conversation on the Adrian Heath contract extension over on Patreon.com/slash Soda Soccer for this week's episode of 10K Stoppage Time. But now we transition to the lower league and we will start in USL League 2 where one Minnesota team is uh, sort of doing pretty well for themselves, actually getting themselves within striking distance of a USL League 2 playoff spot while another is sort of continuing their 2022 struggles. Uh, But we will start with St. Croix who uh, lost 3-0 to Des Moines, uh, played that match in Hudson, Wisconsin at Hudson High School, uh, but then went on the road for their little Canadian trip and started that off with a 2-1 win at Manitoba. So uh, that's a big win for St. Croix. It's their uh, third win of the year, second win of the year. Um, But uh, with two wins and three draws, or two wins and two draws, excuse me, um, they are sitting on eight points right now in the standings. um, And they are within striking distance of uh, uh, Peoria, who is sitting at 12 points. And the Deep North Division, if I'm not mistaken, if I'm reading the website right at USL League 2, uh, we'll get two bids into the USL League Two playoffs. So that second spot, while Des Moines Menace is miles ahead of everybody else on 22 points, um, there still is something to fight for there for St. Croix. Um, just uh, kind of go through the the goals and the big moments of these matches um, in that 2-1 to one win over Manitoba specifically. Uh, they kicked it off. They got off on the front foot with a second-minute goal from Darley Florivi, um, and that really set the tone. Manitoba was able to equalize over the course of the match, but then Telvin Va, who has been huge for the St. Croix attack all season long, netted the winner in the 88th minute. Nice far post uh, shot from him um, that ended up in the back of the net. And that is a big win for St. Croix. Kind of, again, picks them back up into a a potential uh, playoff spot, which is crazy to think about in their first year that they have a chance to do that. Um, And then they finished their Canadian tour tonight if you're listening on Friday, with a match at Thunder Bay. And Thunder Bay is actually the team they're currently tied for third with as well on points. So a, a big match for the standings and a big match for St. Croix to keep their uh, playoff hopes alive. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's really great to see, like you said, in their first year, which is you know usually a, a tough one for any team, no matter the size of the organization. Uh, great to see them performing at, at a, a high level and getting results, which is very, very tough to get at this level. Um, and they're in a conference full of some of the best in the country. So, you know, it, it, it's great. Obviously, dropping the points to Des Moines, you kind of expect that Des Moines are very much running away with this conference, as, as people yeah. kind of expected. But, yeah, I mean, if St. Croix can even just stay in that race for third or second, even if it doesn't end in playoff soccer, uh, I think that's a huge accomplishment for them. I think that's a, a great Agreed. way to uh, show people this team is serious. You want to play for this team. You want to come watch this team. You know, this is something worth investing your time in, which is always kind of mission one in, uh, in the first year. So, uh, yeah, I mean, really cool to see sort of a, a surprise successful team 
uh, come out of Minnesota and come out of uh, an area maybe less less known at this level of the game. And as St. Croix continues their Canadian tour, Minneapolis City ends theirs, and uh, it's uh, probably a tough bus ride back to Minneapolis. Um, started it with a three to one loss to Thunder Bay and then ended it with a four to one loss to the aforementioned FC Manitoba. So I'm um, still looking for that first uh, league to win our Minneapolis city. And they are currently sitting at the bottom of the ta- bottom of the table on two points. Um, an opportunity to uh, make a statement though, and, and get that first win against a really good team. They have played Peoria city very, very close in their matches this season. And uh, they return back to Ador Nelson field um, I believe they've played back there once on the, on the NPSL side following the renovations. I'm not, I'm not sure about that, but I believe they have. So I believe this is their first match back at Ador Nelson field. Um, but it's one of the first, I believe it's our first USL two match at, at the yeah. very least back at Ador Nelson after the, uh, the field got renovated there, uh, at Augsburg, but, uh, Peoria city that's on, that's on a, a Saturday. So a big match and our guy, Adam Grinwald will have you covered there. Uh, for that one as well yeah absolutely and and yeah the the la- the last part of that was was i think was the correct i think this might be their first lead two match there or if not there's it might be the first one they, they've played a couple other other league games there but uh but you know they have a, a home stand a bit now several home games in a row uh you know several against you know those canadian sides peoria maybe games you can get a result particularly with the fans there with you um, although credit to the fans that apparently traveled to those Canadian games, I saw photos of some some folks waving flags yeah. and stuff. So credit to those guys. But it's not like you're talking about Toronto or Vancouver or like you know. Yeah, it's, I suppose <laughs> it's uh, you know definitely the uh, I wouldn't say the underbelly, but definitely not you know super urban areas of uh, right. of Canada that they're traveling to for these matches. So credit to the to the Minneapolis citizens doing some work there on that road trip. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, you know, it, it, those, those results are tough. Um, those are games they certainly would have hoped to win. And, and of the road games they have, those are probably the, the most winnable ones. Uh, but, you know, uh, that's that's the, the hand they've been dealt. Uh, and they're just going to have to go home and, and, and figure it out there. Get some points at Edder Nelson and, and hopefully end the year on a brighter note. Uh, you know, I, I think the one of the silver linings is that most of these games uh, – perhaps beside that Manitoba result and, and the Des Moines results uh, have been very close. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, most of these losses are not blowouts. They're, they're competitive. Goal. Yeah, they're, they're competitive. They're often scoring in them. And if they're not scoring, it's like a one nil loss. Um, so, you know, they've, they got a little unlucky, for example, with that comeback against St. Croix with St. Croix equalized late. And, um, you know, they, they haven't played badly by any means. Uh, but it's a tough conference. It's a really tough conference. And, and everyone knew that going into the season. So, uh, you know, it's a season of lessons, I'm sure, is what it'll go down as. It's a season of lessons. And really, Minneapolis City's job is, one, to make the most of the rest of the games they have this season. And then make sure that this season of lessons is translated into something better uh, next year when they will have, you know, no longer have the, the fresh nerves of joining this league fresh nerves of playing every team the first time, uh, fresh nerves of doing this international trip for the first time. And, and in 2023, they'll have a little more experience, be a little more aware of how certain things work, uh, and hopefully you know, come back with a, a lot more points than they did this year. And I think what you're seeing at the bottom of that 
I don't know what you want to call it. It's not really a pyramid, but at, at the bottom of that Minneapolis city program with the futures who are going to be playing for, we'll get that to, we'll get into this more in a little bit, but playing for a, a UPSL conference championship on Sunday is that over the course of time, theoretically, the the cream will rise to the top, right? As sure. it, you know, these futures players who are thriving now in the UPSL in a year or two years, you're going to see some of that quality start to make waves and start to contribute at the higher levels, the MPSL, the USL League too, right? So um, I think that's going to play a big factor into it too, as you know, patience while you're coming off the dominance of the NPSL days. Um, it's now time to be a little bit patient if you're a Minneapolis city supporter. And I think if you are, you will see the the benefits of that uh, and you will reap the rewards of that, uh, you know, two, three, four years down the line for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the, the futures program, even, even last year with Minneapolis city two, and of course just their own interior uh, interior uh, uh, tournaments that they do as uh, a very strong program produces really good players. Uh, you know, I, I do think that uh, it'll be interesting to see what lessons, you know, I don't even know the answers to these questions, but what lessons Minneapolis City learned from a roster standpoint going into next year. I think that's genu- genu- generally, generally the, the biggest problem they've had to face uh, this season is simply that they do not have the manpower to play the amount of games that they need to play. And uh, particularly if they want to play the best players possible in each match. Uh, and so, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what they figure out. I, obviously, the Futures program is going to be a huge part of that. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see what else they find as solutions to that problem. Because, you know, I mean, we'll, uh, we can talk more about this when we talk about some of the other leagues. But uh, there, that's just clearly the main, you know, I, I think I brought up last week that I had actually been someone from Minneapolis city actually told me about this, about how many injuries they've had this season. Yep. And uh, you know, there's a lot of reasons injuries happen, but those injuries didn't just randomly happen. Right. I mean, the, the, one of the reasons that the team is suffering as many injuries as it is, is probably because the players are playing way more than all the other teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so well, there's maybe less consistency in that play. Right. I mean, you might be right. playing three times in a week and not playing for a week and, you know, right. there's not necessarily that cadence that you maybe get if you stick right. to one season, one schedule, you're playing with different people, these different games, different coaches, different places, different mm-hmm. teams, um, more travel. So, if you're on the league two, yeah. uh, if you're on the USL two side, which more time on a bus could, you know, yeah. cause, potentially cause that. Right. So, and it's probably extra hard when the day before you had to travel to North Dakota or yeah. whatever. So, uh, you know, uh, that, that, that's, that's the situation that, that they're faced with. But I, if, if anyone, if any organization at this level is going to figure out something, it's probably going to be them. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm sure next year that they will be back better than ever, but uh, yeah, you know, that, that's, that's what they're, they're faced with. That being said, this homestand they have in USL league two, very possible they get some good results there. Um, especially being home consistently, not having so, to worry so much about that travel, like you mentioned. Uh, I think it's totally possible they end up, you know, finding a couple of wins before the season is done and, and, and maybe making the numbers a little better before, before this uh, inaugural uh, USL League 2 season for them is over. Yeah, and anything's on a high note, and you know, uh, coming, coming out of it with some, with some positive affirmations uh, moving forward, for sure. Um, speaking of positive affirmations, 
let's transition to the W League. Minnesota Aurora, getting a lot of those. Um, it was their third straight win over Chicago City on Friday. Three to one, the final. And the aggregate score for those three matches, Dom, 10 goals for, two against. Pretty good three-match run against Chicago City. This win was on the road. Um, Chicago did score early and took a lead into the second half. It was the first time that Aurora had trailed all season. But in the 68th minute, Mariah Wynn earns a penalty after getting taken down in the box. And it was the captain, Kenzie Langdock, who stepped up and buried the uh, PK to not the match. And then late on, Wynn would head a rebound in the direction of Jenna Zabiliac, and uh, she would bury the winner. So a two or a, and then they would score again uh, to make it three to one. So um, three to one win over Chicago. And then on Sunday, we're talking 88 degrees at kickoff, still nearly 5,000 at TCO Stadium on Father's Day. It was in the 19th where Kelsey Kafusi forced to turn over at midfield, found Maya Hansen. Uh, her shot deflected off a Call Valley defender and into the back of the net for the opener. And then later, Minnesota would double the lead on a nice turnaround goal from Cat Rap, and 2-0 would be the final. So another great weekend, becoming a common theme. Two more wins, just that much closer to uh, you know achieving their goal of making the uh, USLW League playoffs. But what I like about the Sorora team, I think the most, is the, the, the contribution that they're getting from so many different players. Um, I have to imagine it might be frustrating a bit for some of the players who aren't getting as much playing time as they might want to. But when you see the quality that's on the pitch and the number of contributors that you're seeing both starting and coming off the bench, you know, it's hard not when you're, when you're coach Nicole Lukic, it's, it's really hard not to keep going with, with that formula because you have your own goals in mind too. You, you want to win, you want to make the playoffs. You want to, you know, continue to, um, you know, get three points and continue to sort of move forward from a from a least league success perspective. Um, so interesting how Aurora is is navigating all that, and managing all that, but on the field they're getting the job done time in and time out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the run they've managed to put together this season is uh, amongst amongst the the best I've I've seen in in lower league soccer really ever um, in in my time. Uh, which has mostly been spent following lower league soccer. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's an, it's immensely impressive. And like you said, all the more impressive because it's not this is not one of those teams that's just kind of getting pushed along by one or two big players. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they, they just have such a solid group. Very well may end up finishing their regular season undefeated. Uh, and, you know, assuming it seems pretty secure that they'll probably make the playoffs at this point. And if they do... I don't I mean, know, Dom. I, I, they're, they're well on their way, but I will say that it's not necessarily a runaway just yet, especially, and we'll get to green Bay in in a minute, but you know, the, the, there's two six pointers. So there's a 12 point weekend on tap when you're talking about Minnesota and green Bay next weekend to finish off the regular season. So I wouldn't say they secured their spot. They're well on their way. I mean, if they, if they hold serve, obviously they, they will do just that, but Right. I wouldn't necessarily call it yet. No, and that's fair. That's fair. Green Green Bay obviously still have have work they can do to to change things up. Um, if Minnesota Aurora are able to keep up what they've been doing and make the playoffs, uh, I, I wouldn't want to play them. <laughs> yeah. If I'm of the, any of the other teams making the playoffs, I I would consider them that team no one wants to play. Um, even you know even let's say they lose one of the names they have left even. 
just in general, the quality that they've been able to put together this season. Yeah. I, I, I would not have to, I would not want to rather uh, be in charge of dealing with that. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and uh, a quick, a quick uh, uh, violin play to the Chicago city players, because I, I can only imagine that sucks to have to play the same team three times and lose each one. That's rough. But that's what, you know, unfortunately, that was those three games in a row were against clearly a, a really, really strong team. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, again, immensely impressed with what Minnesota Aurora put together this season. Obviously, there's more more to come, but uh, they've left me uh, uh, a pretty uh, fervent believer in uh, what that organization is able to put on the pitch. Yeah, they're... Um they're they're backing it up i think we talked about that last week how there was so much hype around this team and the branding was there the marketing was there the community support was there but there was still that question mark how will this team look on the pitch right Right. will it back it up we know we know the turnout's going to be great for that first match will they put a product on the field to you know help maintain that support Right. Right. They've obviously done that undefeated at this juncture of the season with uh, five matches to go. So um, credit to them for and credit to uh, Matt Pravatsky specifically um, for for putting that squad together. Um, He was sort of in charge of that. And obviously, Nicole Lukic has done an excellent job on the sideline, sort of taking these pieces and putting them in the right places. So um, excellent, excellent work all around from Aurora early on. But as we mentioned, it's not quite over yet. Uh, Green Bay picks up four points on the road drawing Call Valley 2-2, and then beating St. Louis 1-0. So here's where the standings shake out now. Aurora is top of the table with 19 points, but Green Bay do remain in striking distance in second with 14 points. So basically all Green Bay has to do is keep up and, you know, basically stay within that five-point range because I don't think they're going to be able to match Aurora's goal differential um, at the end of the season um, if they do end up level on points. So they will probably need to be within that five-point mark heading into that final weekend where Green Bay does host that back-to-back against Aurora. And obviously this weekend's uh, fixtures and results will play a huge factor into whether or not that actually will decide the uh, USLW League Heartland Division. Yeah, yep, a lot, 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 lot left to be played. But And, you know, to your point earlier, I, I do like that we still have um, – a competitive face-off in this yeah. conference, despite how strong Aurora has been. It's great to see Green Bay perform as well as they have this season. Uh, you know, not not necessarily a team that was talked about as much in the preseason, but they've shown up and they played very well. Obviously, had a very good season to have those 14 points in second place. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I think I mentioned this in the early part of the season, but it's really cool that you have, you know, obviously this USLW League project that's trying to make certain things happen in, in, in the, the world of women's soccer uh, in the United States. And it's really cool that this, this important hub of all that happens to end up being up here uh, in, in the Northern Midwest in, in Wisconsin and Minnesota, obviously extra fun for us, given that those are sort of the places that we cover and great that it allows for a rivalry to continue to form between those two organizations. But, uh, you know, it, yeah, I mean, it's just it's really cool almost outside of outside of the context of, of, oh, what is this team doing or what is that team doing? It's just cool to see these two organizations be the ones ahead of, by the way, some of the other folks in their conference are longtime teams that have played at various levels, men's and women's, you know, Caw Valley, for example, St. Louis. These aren't uh, 
newbies to the scene. These organizations have been doing this a long time. So to have Aurora and, and Green Bay Glory show up, put quality on the pitch, represent the upper Midwest as well as they have, it's just really cool. And I, and I certainly hope that it's uh, inspiring to you know young athletes, particularly young female athletes that are, that are watching them. We'll get right back into the episode in just a minute, but I want to talk to you about our friends over at Pence Homes. If you're on Minnesota United Twitter, you probably know who Nate Pence is. He's a diehard loon supporter, but he's also a supporter of Minnesota soccer as a whole, just like us here at Soda Soccer. See, Nate and his team are realtors specializing in the St. Paul and Minneapolis area, and he proudly supports various teams and organizations in the Twin Cities soccer community, like Minneapolis City, our friends over at Equal Time Soccer, and now SodaSoccer.com and 10,000 pitches. Not only is Nate ingrained in the local soccer ecosystem here, he's also helped countless people in and around the Metro buy and sell their homes and has made them very happy as a result. But don't take our word for it. Just listen to what Kate W had to say. She said, quote, Nate was excellent to work with. He's down to earth, approachable, not pushy. We developed a great rapport with Nate and have already recommended him to friends. So just head to pencehomes.com to get the process started or email Nate directly at nate at pencehomes.com. That's P-E-N-T-Z homes.com. Also, make sure you let him know Jeremy from Soda Soccer sent you. Again, that's pencehomes.com, P-E-N-T-Z homes.com. Absolutely. And it's cool that that these two clubs are sort of regional like this, so the two independently owned clubs uh, in the league, and to have that conference rivalry, that regional rivalry, that Minnesota, Wisconsin, that that Twin Cities, Green Bay rivalry, right. sports rivalry that already kind of is ingrained into the fabric of those two markets. Right. To have kind of all of that coming together, have those two teams be the ones that are one two in the table right now. Have there be that possibility of like a huge two game, uh, you know. Uh, play uh, basically it might be like a end up being like a conference playoff basically <laughs> at that point uh it's just it's just really cool to have that excitement and that's kind of what we were hoping we would get when the w league was launched we found out there would be these teams in both of these markets and it's sort of coming to fruition in the first year which is which is pretty awesome um but let's transition now back on the men's side of the lower league soccer scene and to the npsl um this has been uh an interesting uh, season all year long with sort of Minneapolis faltering twin stars has been pretty impressive in their, um, in their return. Uh, but the same storyline remains at the top of the table, med city and Duluth and both teams yep. hold serve, uh, over the course of the last week as, uh, down in Rochester, the meds thrash Minneapolis city, or excuse me, this match was actually up in Minneapolis city, uh, five, one, the final, um, on the road, which is a huge result for them. And then they return home to beat Fusion 2-0. Um, and that 5-1 win is particularly huge because of that points differential that Duluth has been able to obtain. Realistically, this could end knotted at the top of the table. Um, Med City does have some work to do from a goal standpoint. So specifically big for that. And then they return home to beat the Fusion 2-0. Um, on Duluth's side, they beat the Fusion 3-1 to start the week. And then um, they smashed the Twin Stars once again. 6-0. Um, as impressive as we've said Twin Stars have been in this first season, that's now an aggregate score of 11-0 uh, for those two Duluth and Twin Stars matches. So, um, yeah, been uh, been pretty much one-way traffic in that one. And then Sioux Falls beat Aris 3-2 to earn their first win of the season. 
But what might have been the most entertaining match of the weekend, Dom, <laughs> was Eris as they return home and beat Joy six yeah. to one. Now I'm not an advocate for for poop housery as they call it, and you know <laughs> uh, frustration boiling over and things like that. But in addition to just the crazy scoreline, there were also two red cards issued on the side of Joy as well. Um, it was just a little bit of chaos in lacrosse, uh, but just a um, I don't know, a, I guess a historic scoreline. Oh yeah, six uh, one. I almost had to do a triple take when I saw that. But but credit to them. I mean, this is not the Aries team that we've seen over the last couple seasons. This is, or excuse me, or at least just last season in 2019 as well. Um, they've sort of taken a step forward this year. Well, on the other side of that coin, and we'll talk about the top of the table in a minute, but while we're talking about this match, you know, Aries is sort of taking that step forward where uh, Joy, there was a lot of expectations coming into this season after last year, uh, but they have very much taken a step back in their second season in the conference. Yeah, it's a rough position, you know, to be perfectly frank, to be the team that that Arabs beats twice in a year. That's not mm-hmm. a common accolade. Um, I think in 2019, Arabs won two games. That's the, They got six points in one, two games. I think they beat the Fusion uh, in, in both of those games, if I remember correctly. So it's not the first time that's happened, but uh, this is definitely the first time Arabs has scored six goals in an NPSL North game. Uh, that mm-hmm. has definitely not happened before. Uh, so in that sense, yeah, it's a historic result for them. Um, might well be the biggest scoreline just in, you know, winning by five goals, that sort of thing, probably the first time in, in, in the North as far as I'm aware. Uh, so, you know, credit to them. Getting six points uh, this season is, is is a big one for them. Uh, you know, it, to me, the, the, the two sides of this is, one, that's a hell of a result. And two, it's unfortunate that the season that they've had the issues that they've had off the pitch in terms of some forfeits and yep. all that, because clearly this team, and by the way, you know, we, we read the result already. The game before this, they lost by one goal yep. on the road. So, you know, this is a team that if, if they're in a good place and they're able to get and play, they don't play that badly. They're not getting destroyed. You know, I think the worst result they've maybe even had this season was that 5-1 loss to Minneapolis City, which isn't even that bad. Mm-hmm. That happens. 5-1's happened. I mean, Minneapolis City lost the game 5-1 this week. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough that this group isn't has had some issues that have prevented them from performing more often. But really cool to see them get that win. Kind of shows, again, that this conference is one that anybody can have a moment and, and get some points. Uh, and, yeah, for Joy, uh, the drop off is 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 quite tangible at this point, um, and uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, work to do in the off season uh, in regards to to how to make 2023 a year where they can compete for for the sort of things that were competing for last year, third place or playoffs even. Uh, and yeah, at the top of the table, I mean, it, it was an incredibly eventful week. Um, I, I was at that Med City Minneapolis game. Med City, uh, probably the best performance they've had all year. Yeah. Easily the best win they've had in terms of scoreline. Uh, they've been winning most of their games by a goal or two. I mean, they, they've had a lot of two ones, one zeros. Um, mm. So this result really came out came out of nowhere in the sense that I, I did not expect such a, a one-sided result. Um, but just fantastic performance from them. Shout out to Andres Garcia, who I, I, I mentioned on social media, is you know uh, played for Minneapolis City or not for Minnesota, for Minnesota United too in that friendly against Duluth, and apparently is 
having uh, future opportunities with them. He scored in the two games after that came out. Uh, so he's he's having a good time. And, yeah, Med City looked incredibly strong, uh, both in terms of scoring. They scored every kind of goal you can, penalty, long ball, you know, good movement on, on the wings, just everything you can think of they basically were doing. Uh, and they also, by the way, did a, you know, a great job of sort of controlling and manipulating the match. You know, they, they did a really good job of baiting Minneapolis City into mistakes, baiting them into fouls. Um, they really had a good read on just the entire 90 minutes. Uh, and, and I definitely think that Duluth are going to have their hand, hands full when they uh, play each other this weekend and then when they play each other again later in the season. Uh, I was already excited about that matchup, but after seeing Med City, this is the first time I've seen them in person this season, unfortunately. Seeing them in, in person, talking with Neil Cassidy, the head coach, afterwards, uh, this is just an incredibly strong group that uh, has an identity, has a style, has things they want to get done, but also has you know patience to them. You know, Cassidy did the, the classic coach answer about when you asked about success through the season and points and all that and said, it's not paying attention to that. Just looking at the schedule, who's next. We'll figure it out there. Uh, yeah. I, I, I think uh, whoever, the other thing that's, what's great about this is whoever finishes first here, the North is going to have two really strong teams in the playoffs, whether it's Duluth or med city, both of them are going to be teams that I wouldn't want to play. Uh, and that's really cool. That's cool to know that there's going to be two really solid horses in that race. Um, but yeah, and, and I ended up seeing that Duluth sits, sits zero win over Twin Stars as well. Both those teams are just the forwards are on fire. The goalkeepers are incredibly aware, agile, ready for it. I mean, just the top to bottom, both those teams. Uh, when they play each other this weekend, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be probably the best game that that's happened all, all season because they're just they're playing at such a high level right now. This is this is really one of those times in this conference where you know Minneapolis City has sort of dominated it and Duluth has been a somewhat close second in the, for a lot of for the last few years. But this is the first time where there've really been two neck and neck teams at this juncture of the season, at least over the last two years that I've been covering this conference. Sure. Um, and this is kind of like those two you know, those two fighters, those two boxers who are just cleaning up the competition. And it's like, what, and everybody's wondering what's going to happen when they fight each other. Like what's going to happen right. when they come together. What's going to happen when that fight, that match happens. Right. Yeah. That's. And I think that's what makes this first rendition of it. So interesting mm-hmm. is that it's, it's all been left to the imagination up to this right. point. Right. right. Like you don't, we don't know what's going to happen when these two yeah. teams take the field. Uh, together but we can we can infer that it's probably going to be a really competitive quality match and this will actually be on uh on a second screen while i'm watching minnesota united on saturday night too oh for sure uh this is this is going to be picture in picture screen and screen uh i'm i'm that excited for this match uh, i'm i can't wait for it uh, and you know what's really cool great. what's really cool is yeah you know, i i've in the last week or whatever seven ten days i've talked i've interviewed both head coaches i've talked to sean morgan i've talked to neil cassidy and both of these guys and both the teams are very confident neither of them is scared of each other they they both believe that they're the team that is going to do this and like you said 
this is really setting up, and, and, and part of it is because they didn't play each other the first half of the season, but this is really setting up for, uh, for, for just a, a huge matchup. Uh, and, and I, you know, Med City have the uh, advantage of, of, you know, they can draw or those sorts of things and still have uh, a better footing. So we do have a game in hand for those looking at the, at the point tally. Um, but yeah, I think this is going to be a hell of a game. You got two defenses that are performing very well. You got a Duluth defense that, that very, very rarely concedes. But then you got a Med City defense that hasn't lost a game. Mm-hmm. And you got forwards that just keep scoring. And not just one guy, but but the whole front line, midfielders. Uh, and that Duluth win against Twin Stars, two defenders scored, actually. Um, but, you know, you, you got goals coming from everywhere. You got skill coming from everywhere. Uh, it, it's it's just going to be a great one, and uh, I unfortunately I won't be there in person for it. That's the sad part. I know, but, man. But uh, well, we, we need about a yeah. hundred more patreons at <laughs> Patreon.com/slash/SodaSoccer. If we get that between now and Saturday, maybe we can get enough to send Dom down to Rochester for that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's going to be a great one for those that are you know if we have any listeners that are, that are in Rochester. Or near Rochester, I highly suggest going to this game. And if you end up, you know, being in the Duluth area for the the return match, I highly suggest going to that too. I'm sure that will be a great one too. Just uh, these are the two guys right now. These are the two teams that are really, really pulling it off. And uh, finally getting to see them play, it's going to obviously impact the table hugely. But I think it's going to genuinely be a really, really interesting matchup. Uh, But yeah, even though I'll end up watching it digitally, I, I'm still going to end up being pretty engrossed in it. Uh, I just have a feeling it's going to be a really, really exciting match. Yeah, uh, no doubt. You have to imagine there's going to be a huge, huge Duluth contingent that makes the trip down to Rochester. Maybe they can pick you up on the way, Dom, and drop you <laughs> off on the way back. Maybe that's how you can get there. Maybe we can work that there in. You go. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's 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 going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be fireworks if if you are either not planning to watch Minnesota United or you want to watch Loons, but you have a second screen available, I would highly, highly recommend throwing this one on because this is this is what lower league soccer is all about. Two great teams, two great fan bases, two great you know, two great um, you know programs coming together. That atmosphere is going to be amazing. Um, and Med City does a great uh, you know online stream as well. So it's going to be a quality viewing experience. If, if you're watching from home as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 you know, it's fun. It would be fun no matter who was playing these levels and in this position, but it's, it's, it's always fun when you got, these are two teams that have been in the conference since it started. They got yep. history together. I mean, Sean Morgan's literally played against Med City. Neil Cassidy's yep. been head coach for a while. Sean Morgan, obviously two years. You know, the, these are teams that have played. There is history. Um, you know, some of the players have played each other before. There, there, is, there is that connection. And, and, and certainly when, you know, Minneapolis City have that too, when, when they're performing at a, at a high level, it's great to see that sort of narrative play out. And uh, yeah, just, just really exciting, really exciting. And so this weekend's matches, aside from Med City and Duluth, uh, Minneapolis City hosts Joy Athletic. Um, Aris will host Dakota Fusion, looking for uh, an, another big win. Uh, Dakota Fusion, we were talking about how big of a week uh, you know, opportunity this was for them. You know, they were somewhat in striking distance, a couple six-pointers for them on the week. Uh, but obviously, you're playing the cream of the crop uh, in the conference. So two close losses as well, 2-0 and 3-1. So um, obviously, uh, D- Dakota weren't able to um, sort of 
solidify their positioning at the upper top of the conference table, but put in really two good for, formidable performances. And coming off that Eris loss, this actually fusion Eris match is a sneaky match to uh, to watch out for. Um, two teams that have actually been in pretty good form over the over the course of the season. Uh, and then Twin Stars host Sioux Falls as well. Um, Twin Stars in Minneapolis City sitting on 13 points, you know, 11 points back of Duluth. Duluth has that game in hand as well. So um, they would need a lot to go right to climb back into that top two picture. It really, really feels like it's going to be Duluth and Ed City, but, um, it, you know, they are not, ma- you know, mathematically out of the equation uh, just yet. Uh, but moving over to the UPSL. So we'll start with last week's regular season finales. Um, Vlora uh, got the result they needed, three to one win over Austin Villa. So they secured that top spot in the uh, conference tournament with that regular season uh, top of the table title finish, if you will. Um, so the two semifinals were played on Wednesday. It was Vlora blanking Dakota Young Stars three nil. But the match of the weekend, I thought this was going to be a barn burner, and it absolutely was. Uh, Minneapolis City Futures and FC Minneapolis, and it was the Futures winning on penalties, four to three. Uh, I, you know, I was looking at this match particularly, Dom, and I was like, "There's, there's really nothing in this. Like, there's really nothing that necessarily separates these two clubs mm. from a quality standpoint. It was that two, three matchup in the table when you would just look at the way the clubs are built too. It's like, I, you know, it was really, really hard for me to pick a winner in this one. So it's no surprise to me that it was, it was, you know, knotted, uh, it was knotted after 90 and they needed to go to PKs to settle it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, apparently it was hard for them to choose too. Uh, it was one one at uh, full time, and then I believe it was two two after um, added extra time, and, and obviously then the PKs and yeah, really close matchup. Uh, you know, shows uh, I think I think what it shows for City, other than obviously winning, um, is a lot of character and, mat- and maturity out of a young group, which is really mm-hmm. cool. Um, often teams built like that, where you would maybe bet against playing against a slightly older squad uh, in that sort of matchup where you got to go to PKs, you got to play that 120 minutes, that sort of thing. Uh, but they figured it out. They got the they got the win. And now, you know, for all the ups and downs they've had this season, they have had a good season. They are, they are undefeated. Uh, they, they, they simply did not get as many points as Valora. Uh, and now they're one game away from, you know, making all that irrelevant and, and, and grabbing that, that final win. So, uh, I think I think Valora Minneapolis City Futures that final on Sunday is going to be a, a really fun game. Two really high performing sides. Valora is a really interesting group. Mm-hmm. Got a lot of different players, local guys. You know, obviously the sort of college crowd that often rosters are made of. But they also got like Pablo Campos on their team, who's yep. just like popping in goals now and then. And yes, I mean that Pablo Campos, the one that played for Minnesota United, yep. uh, not just a guy named after him. Uh, <laughs> So like they just got this interesting roster that's just kind of doing its thing and finding wins and uh, yeah I think it's going to be a really interesting matchup I, I have every plan to be there for that game uh, and I, I very much look forward to it I think it's going to be a, a great capping point for for this whole UPSL season which has just been a really interesting competitive year. This is also a matchup of the last two conference champions yeah. as well which is yeah. interesting. Uh, obviously it was Minneapolis city too, not necessarily the futures last year, 
um, and then Valora won in 2019. Actually, the the only two yeah. recent conference champions in this yeah. uh, in this conference's history. So um, it's just sort of that again that 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 coming together that that fate, if you will, that it's Minneapolis City and Valora. Um, I think uh, you know personally, I was disappointed that we didn't get this last year. When I was when we were looking at the UPSL Midwest West ahead of the 2021 season, I was like, man, it's gonna be it's gonna be a dogfight between Vlora and Minneapolis City too at the top of that table. I think um, it wasn't necessarily the case. Uh, Vlora took a step back, and City Two sort of ended up running away with that uh, with that conference championship. Um, but now you get these two sort of at at similar levels at the top of their game. Obviously, Vlora has resolidified themselves as the class of the conference but minneapolis city has that defending championship crown still there until somebody takes it off so it's going to be very very interesting on sunday um another match i'll be keeping a very close eye on as well um it's just it's a very exciting weekend of lower league soccer like when we yeah. you know it, it can be a grind when you get early to mid-june and you're like man there are so many matches so many leagues like Nothing, you know, there's nothing super meaningful going on, right? It's the middle of the regular season, right? But then, like, you get to this moment, and you're like, okay, this legitimately, like, this is this is high-quality stuff. This is, this is lower league soccer at its best when you're talking about Med City and Duluth on the NPSL, NPSL side, big regular season matchup there between one and two, and obviously the UPSL conference playoff final between Vora and Minneapolis City. Um, these are the weekends that you sort of live for when you're a lower league soccer fan and you're covering it at the breadth that we cover it at it's it's weekends like these that make it all worth it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, like you said, the season would be a bit of a slog. The players and the coaches all feel that way as well. You know, they've had to play a lot of games and actually that popped in my memory that one of the things that impressed me about that Duluth twin stars win was that Duluth actually rotated a ton of guys out. Um, The two guys that scored the three goals in the diffusion game, the, round before didn't even come into like the 70th minute uh they they rotated out a lot of guys but uh and a lot of teams are having to do that now because you know they've just played like two games a week for the last three four weeks um but yeah i mean this is what it's all for you get to this point valora minneapolis city it's cool that you have it's not necessarily a formal rivalry but you got two teams from the twin cities area uh Mm -hmm. the two previous winners there's a lot of pride on the table and uh, reputation on the table. And uh, yeah, I, 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 you know, on the Valora side, you have, they've had a great year really across the board in all the different branches of their organization. Obviously they'll want to make up for last season where they did poorly in the UPSL after having won in 2019. From a city perspective, there's everything to play for here, because to be perfectly frank, it's, you know, they're not winning the championships in the other two leagues they're in right now. This is their opportunity so, to get something. This up. is it. Absolutely. And if you win this game for all the ups and downs that they've had with this, you know, this experiment they're doing with these, this multi-league system, and there's certainly been a share of ups and downs, you, if you get this trophy, you get into the, the next layer of playoffs as well. If you get that, that, you know, that's a validation. That, that's that's mm-hmm. a way to say, hey, look, we know that aspects of this didn't go super well this year, but... We, we still have something clearly to work with here. And it was enough to get us silverware, even with some of the tough losses, some of the tough road trips. Um, so, you know, I, I think both sides have everything to play for here. Uh, it's great that I, I, off the top of my head, I don't actually know where it'll be played. It might be played in Burnsville because Valora would have the upper seed or whatever, but I, it's still, I believe the, it is in Burnsville. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, but that's, you know, that the, the nice thing about that is Valora can have their supporters, their, their fan base there, and City can travel very easily to that game. So you can have everybody there, can have kind of a proper environment for a final. Um, so, yeah, I think that's going to be a great match. Definitely. Um, one to keep an eye on for sure. Um, you, you'll be able to watch both the Med City and Duluth matches and the Valora Minneapolis City matches uh, on an online stream. I believe Med City does it through YouTube, but um, 11 Sports is usually the hub where you can watch a lot of these lower league soccer matches. So just go to 11 Sports, um, type in the name of any of these teams. You know, If you want to watch Med City and Duluth, just type in Med City FC or Duluth FC should pop up. Same with Valora and Minneapolis City on Sunday. Um Really, really exciting stuff. A lot, a, a great weekend of soccer action, and I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, on the women's side of the WPSL, it's still Minnesota Thunder at the top of the table. Um, 18 points from seven matches. Uh, before teams below them have at least one game in hand. Uh, Sioux Falls actually has three games in hand because they started a little bit late. Um, so Salvo and Sioux Falls are the only undefeated sides left. Uh, Minnesota Thunder did falter. Um, that's how you get the 18 points in seven matches. Um, Dakota Fusion pick up their first point of the season and a draw with uh, new club Manitou, um, who now have two points on the year. And then Friday's matches include Dakota Fusion against Joy, Sioux Falls uh, taking on the Minnesota Thunder, and then Rochester uh, and Mankato battling. And then Sunday, more action with uh, Dakota Fusion hosting Sioux Falls. So the first, I believe this is the first rendition of the Dakota Derby on the WPSL side, which is exciting. Uh, Maple Brook hosting Mankato, uh, Manitou against Joy, and then Rochester and Salvo on Sunday. So you have Minnesota Thunder there, but it's it's hard to know where these teams truly are because of the games in hand. Um, obviously, Thunder have been impressive. So have Sioux Falls. So have Salvo. So, uh, so it's, um, at this point, maybe looking like a three-horse race, but it's also tough to tell because not a, everybody's played the same amount of matches. Yeah, for sure. It, it, it's definitely going to be the – and actually, unfortunately for the timing of us recording this, this particular weekend might kind of be that that tipping point where we kind of see where things are going. But, yeah. um, you know, Thunder obviously in a good position, but Lisa Savo, Sioux Falls, very easily could, could usurp that. Uh, yeah, cool that we're, we're going to have that, that Dakota's meeting uh, with the Fusion hosting Sioux Falls, hopefully – Sioux Falls and, and, and Fargo are quite far apart, but hopefully yep. maybe we get some traveling fans from those, you know, 600 or so that showed up for the Sioux Falls game. I mean, it's the closest uh, away match they'll each play all season. Or yeah. That, yeah. Sioux Falls so, will play all season though. So, right. <laughs> so hopefully there's something there, some, something that's workable for folks that want to travel. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, again, it's a little early to kind of say quite how things are going to go. There's a couple teams that clearly are not going to be competing for, for the, the title, but there are several that are. But that being said, it's been really fun to keep track of so far. A lot of teams playing at a high level. Sioux Falls bringing a fun kind of new thing into the into the league, into the conference with this new fan base and a new team. Uh, and so very, very curious how, you know, and you know, this weekend they played the Thunder, for example. So how Sioux Falls, once they get some games in against those sort of classic powers, the, the Salvos, the, the Thunders, how they stand after that. I think a lot of neutrals would love to see a, a fun run from them in terms of picking up some more points. Um, but yeah, great to see the WPSL, you know, this conference continuing to take shape and have some fun character to it uh, and, and clearly playing at a high level. 
Definitely. And now we go to Wapassle. It was a big weekend of results in Wapassle. Of course, we had the first Eau Claire Derby, and it was the top two teams in the table, Bateau and Union Eau Claire. And Bateau now takes over the top spot as they top their uh, city rivals 1-0. Um, it was a big match for the community of Eau Claire as well as, uh, you know, on social media, they mentioned that about 300 people showed up to watch the game, which was very, very cool, very, very good for that Eau Claire community as well. Um, and so, I mean, this, this Bateau team, man, I said it at the beginning of the season, they, they're, they're, they're always my pick until somebody knocks them off. <laughs> uh, you know, Hayward is, as was the popular pick coming in. They still may find themselves at or near the top. They're going to have some work to do after this weekend. But I mean, we're sitting here June 23rd, probably about a month left in the season. And what do you know, but good old Bateau FC is right there. Uh, at the top of the table in the conversation after a big win. Nobody's going to catch them on goal differential. So, uh, you know, somebody will have to beat them out right in the table to take that top spot. But um, a big, big win for them and what was just an overall cool day for the uh, Eau Claire community. I mean, I was seeing Union Eau Claire players after the match, after a tough loss, still very, very happy about the turnout and uh, sort of the support that they saw from the local local fans. Yeah, it's really cool. And, you know, I know for a while the, the local media in the Eau Claire area has, has tried to give uh, Bateau and now Union some love. And it's cool to see all that effort, plus obviously the effort from the clubs result in some 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 people coming out with support. I mean, 300 is a pretty solid crowd at just the lower league level in general. There's yeah. NPSL teams that struggle for 300. So um, that's really cool that that happened. Really cool for Eau Claire. Really cool for the WPSL or PASL uh to to get that little extra exposure uh, out of that one and yeah man i mean bateau are uh uh i i'm regretting some some predictions i made i have to say uh <laughs> but are looking strong they're figuring things out uh you know union's still very much in it obviously but of course losing to bateau doesn't help their cause uh you know hayward uh up front are still playing very well i, I believe uh uh, Mally Lumsden had had two goals in this one again. He scored the two in that loss to Union, uh, but you know defensively they're letting in a lot of goals and and they they gave Lobos that that win on this weekend that actually puts Lobos in a, a pretty decent position in terms of trying to compete for for the title. But uh, yeah, you know the season's going uh, very uh, interestingly. Uh, but what mm-hmm. I what I do like about it is that it's remaining very competitive. No, you know, no one's quite running away with it. Although Bateau are now kind of in the driver's seat. It's been, there's been surprises, there's been shocks, there's been uh, uh, questions, there's been, you know, a lot of, a lot going on. Uh, and and that's, that's great to see. That's what you want to see. That's what keeps this level entertaining. So uh, congratulations to Pateau on that, on that win, that first win in, in this, uh, iter- this new Derby. But uh, yeah, a lot of, well, not a lot of season left to play, but certainly some time left in the season. Uh, very curious to see how Union ba- bounce back from, from this. Here's how Lobos uh, build off that momentum that they, they're picking up from some wins. Uh, and shout out to the Poskin Jets for, uh, yeah. for beating Barron in the uh, latest iteration of that little that rivalry. Uh, and their first win in the Barron season. Derby. Yes. Yeah, so um, you mentioned the Lobos win. That is that is a huge win, and it's this has been an impressive season for them as well. I mean, yeah. everybody, at least in the preseason polls and things like that, we're very much riding Lobos off um, after they were picked, I believe, to win the league in the preseason last year. And they, mm-hmm. they faltered a little bit. I believe ended up third. 
Uh, but I still thought they were a solid club. I thought it was weird that they were sort of being written off and they now find themselves within striking distance have leapfrog Hayward, as you mentioned, for that third spot. So if Bateau or Union Eau Claire falter, uh, you know, Lobos is now that team there who could capitalize on that. So um, very interesting that it's maybe turning into a four horse race yeah. in Wapassel as we uh, get down to the nitty gritty here, uh, you know, final final quarter pole of the of the season, if you will. So that's going to be interesting to uh, keep an eye on. Uh, Dom, we're bringing back a new segment on the podcast. <laughs> uh, top four. Now we did top four a little while back and each week top four was a new topic and we would talk about that topic. It got very, very hard for us to think of new topics each week. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. So what we're going to do is top four is going to still exist, but it's going to be a little bit of a new format. So it's basically going to be our top four, you know, quirky, weird, interesting news stories. A, a lot of the time they will involve soccer. Sometimes they might not, but just four interesting stories that we found, you know, not necessarily Minnesota soccer related, but just in general uh, from the week. And so Dom, I'm, uh, I'm just going to let you go first. So we'll each give two <laughs> to make that top four complete. So Dom, why don't you go first with yours? All right. So my first one uh, is, uh, is very soccer related. And it uh, has to do with the Sacramento Republic being the LA Galaxy in uh, in the Open Cup uh, quarterfinals, as as many listeners probably heard about in some way, uh, which is obviously cool because it's a USL championship side making the, the semifinals now. I believe they've got drawn to play uh, Kansas City now. Uh, and that's that's really cool. The reason that it's relevant to this podcast is that uh, Damia Vieter uh, started in that game for Sacramento. And for those that don't know, Damia is a, a Catalonian footballer that played for Duluth FC for a season, played 10, 12 games in the 2019 season. And uh, it was really cool to see uh, somebody uh, out of the NPSL North who spent about a year, you know, or rather a summer in the conference, not only go pro, obviously, which, which he had done a while ago, played for Union Omaha before, but make it to the semifinals of the Open Cup and uh, uh, beat the LA Galaxy, <laughs> which is uh, uh, quite a team to beat. Uh, and to start the game, you know, I would have been cool if he was on the bench and it happened, but he actually played the game. Uh, I think the entirety of the game. Uh, so, you know, as a, as a guy that a couple of years ago was driving this dude around the Midwest to play uh, amateur games uh, between his uh, college seasons, uh, very cool to see him you know, make that accomplishment. It's a guy that I watched play for Luth in the Open Cup and lose to Des Moines uh, on penalties. Uh, not losing anymore. Uh, <laughs> so just, again, really cool to see uh, someone with attention to the MPSL North make it, uh, no, well, not just make it, but really thrive at the professional level. I know there's been, uh, in, the sort of, in the USL League One crowd, before this move to Sacramento, there was talk about, you know, him being MLS bound and we'll see if that happens. But uh, again, just a congratulations to him and to the Sacramento Republic. Very cool to see a uh, not MLS team make it as far as they, they have. And they're one game away from a spot in the final, which would obviously be uh, historic if it, if it happens. Uh, do you want me to do my second one as well? We can all, I think, I think, we can I think we can do that. Okay. One. Uh, so my first one is, uh, you know, in, in the soccer sphere. So um, it made big news last week, late last week, that 
uh, Washington DC did not get a, uh, did not win their bid, I guess, to host, uh, you know, at least one match, multiple, maybe multiple matches in the 2026 World Cup. They were uh, snubbed in some people's eyes. I do think it's weird that the capital city of the country does not get to host a World Cup in which the country is hosting. But you also have to consider that uh, matches would have been played in Landover, Maryland or Baltimore. So wasn't necessarily Washington, D.C. Um, so um, it is what it is. But in lieu of hosting the 2026 World Cup, they'll be hosting the much more esteemed 2023 MLS All-Star Game at Audi Field. Um, obviously, the 2022 version will be in St. Paul in August. So congratulations to DC. One step back, four steps forward as uh, the 2023 MLS All-Star Game will be making its way to the capital city. Yes, truly the biggest game in, in world football. So. It is. It is. You know, on on yeah. on the date that it's played, it will be the biggest yes. game in world football because Absolutely. literally no other games will be happening at the time. That That'll should be, be the new branding, season. really. On the yeah, day you come to is. this game, this will be the biggest soccer game being played. And being uh, played in the world on this particular in the world, day. probably. Absolutely. But uh, no, yeah. I mean, obviously, that's that's cool that they. Di- although it's evidence that you don't have to be a high-performing team to earn the MLS All-Star Game, which I think is a myth that a lot of people believe in, because uh, they're second to bottom in the East right now. Uh, but, uh, yeah, congrats to DC on that. My uh, my second one is is an, one more Minnesota player connection, which is just a Minnesotan uh, footballer that's been doing well and, and is a little bit off the radar because of, of uh, moving away from forward Madison. That's Michael Vane, who, uh, you know, obviously when he was playing in Madison, being nearby, a little more in the headlines. Uh, he, he's moved uh, uh, to the Columbus Crew 2 and MLS Nets Pro, uh, and he's doing very well there. He's made uh, about 10 appearances. He got his first assist a little bit ago, and the Columbus Crew 2 are top of MLS Nets Pro. They're top of their conference, which is the East, and they're also mathematically the, the best performing team in the league currently. Uh, and, uh, and the other cool thing is he's doing that uh, alongside former uh, fellow, former Ningo, uh, Noah uh, Fusen, who uh, has six goals this season three in the last three matches and uh, and has actually had some opportunities to potentially move up to that MLS roster, obviously the Columbus crew in MLS and something that I think a lot of people hope maybe happens to Michael Vane at some point. Um, yep. But just cool to see, you know, a St. Paul native, cool story behind him, clearly very talented, ran into some roadblocks at the end uh, with Ford Madison. Very cool to see Michael Vane getting himself back together, performing at a good level uh, for, you know, the Columbus crew, which I, I think most people consider a, mm-hmm a pretty uh, well-run organization, a pretty high-level organization in, in the world of American soccer. So yep. uh, wishing him the best of luck with the rest of that uh, season he has ahead of him. And uh, curious to see, you know, what this positive year uh, brews for him in terms of 2023, uh, whether that be, you know, further action MLS pro, uh, Nets Pro or a move to the USL Championship or, or, or somewhere else. Yeah, really, really cool to see, uh, you know, that that Minnesota connection elsewhere in in MLS Next Pro with with Vang. And then um, obviously from a Ford Madison perspective, too, the way Noah Fusan has been performing. I mean, six goals on the season. Um, he's on a huge run of form. And, yeah, he's been able to actually get on the roster uh, for the MLS club on a couple of occasions as well. So um, some doors opening uh, in that regard, for sure, for some uh, guys with some local ties. Um, my second one, actually – is going to be on the women's side. We did not mention this during our Minnesota Aurora segment, but I thought it, thought it'd be cool to throw in here. So um, today, as we're recording, is the 50th anniversary of uh, the signing of Title IX. 
uh, which of course, uh, you know, limited the, the sanctions and restrictions and discrimination of women being able to compete in sports um, and created some equality between men's and women's uh, sports as well. And on the 50th anniversary, CBS News here in Minnesota, WCCO, um, actually interviewed Minnesota Aurora President Andrea Yoke, um, which is which is cool in its own right. Um, obviously, Minnesota Aurora um, is, is doing great things for women, not only women's soccer, but women's sports, um, casting a new spotlight on that, uh, a greater spotlight on that here uh, in the Twin Cities area specifically, but also showing nationwide what can be done. Um, uh, you know, to, to market and grow women's soccer as well in local markets, um, which is really cool. So it's a really, really good interview. Um, it's on the uh, CBS Minnesota and WCCO uh, YouTube channels if you want to go check those out as well. Um, just, just, just really awesome. And um, the other cool thing about this is actually this interview, this video has sort of been picked up by national outlets. Obviously, Minnesota Aurora has become more of a, a nationally known brand, at least in the soccer sphere. But it's cool to see, you know, this interview and this video being shown on places like Yahoo, um, you know, MSN, you know, things like that, sort of national outlets picking this up. So um, very just it's a it's a historic day, obviously, for women in sports and uh, good that Minnesota Aurora was sort of given a, a platform to, to speak on it. And because they have obviously provided their own impact to women's sports here in Minnesota. Yeah, very cool. Um, yeah, obviously, a very important day in just the history of sports. Um, and yeah, like you know, we were even talking about when in, in their league form and all that, but just really cool to see Minnesota Aurora stepping up to the expectations they created in terms of how they're being a force in women's soccer. And uh, hopefully that just continues to develop and, and blossom years to come. All right. So now this is where we will bid you adieu on the normal podcast. If you head over to patreon.com slash soda soccer right now, you'll be able to hear Domini's conversation uh, on 10 K stoppage time, where we go in depth on the Adrian Heath two year extension for Minnesota United. You'll get our thoughts, our opinions, all the context surrounding it right now. So head over there, patreon.com slash soda soccer. As far as this 10,000 pitches podcast, Uh, We will catch you next week. Have a great weekend.